You are listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. Throughout this series, you'll hear honest conversations with inspiring people. And I am so super excited and so very grateful for my guests who have been incredibly candid about their journeys. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hello everyone. Now joining me today is a truly remarkable and inspiring woman. She is an international speaker, a global advocate for women's empowerment and a social entrepreneur. And I do not intend to steal any more of her thunder by introducing her in any way of her story because it is incredibly remarkable. So I'm just going to say, please put your hands together for the absolutely fabulous Nazarene Sheik. Round of applause, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> I love the energy that you have. And oh, bless you. <laughs> thank you so much for introducing me. Um, yeah, it's so excited to be in your show and connect with you and connect with your audience and get to ex- share what I experience in all these almost, I think I am 28, 29, 30. I really don't know my age. So I always have to guess. Yeah, <laughs> well, on that, can you please share with, yeah, can you share with um, everybody who is listening, might not be familiar with your story, how is it that you don't know how old you are? What's the story behind that? Because, I mean, your story is really, really remarkable. So perhaps that's a good place to start, actually. Yeah, it, um, it would be. Um, so I come from very, very small roller village on the border of India and Nepal. Um, complete male-dominated society. Women have absolutely no rights, and um, every single girls are being forced into marriage. Um, it happened to my own twelve-year-old sister. She was forced into marriage. I saw that how my mom. She works, you know, twelve, fifteen hours, and her works never get recognized. Um, and you know, just women have absolutely no rights. And uh, most of the people who born in that village, they don't have birth certificate or neither death certificates. So whoever born in this village, like we just don't record our births and deaths. So therefore also when I born, um, I have no idea and my parents didn't the record or anything uh, because it just doesn't exist in our awareness so I don't know how old I am and the fact about you know keeping these um, people undocumented is literally we were being used into uh, and becoming a huge part of modern day slavery so we are being sent to the big factories to make things uh, we are being a part of forced labor we are literally I feel I feel now that my villages were like kind of like human making machine like we had no recognition we had no voice I didn't even had my last name I just had one name Nasreen that's it and no birth no birth certificate nothing so that's the reason that I don't know how old I am I mean that kind of blows my mind actually and I'm I'm sure it will for everybody listening 
how did you I mean so you were quite young when you started to realize that things weren't things in life shouldn't operate in this way um you were in a sweatshop you worked in a sweatshop you're a, a street child in that sense can you talk everybody through what that was like and how you managed to get out of that situation because like you say you're in your late 20s now but mm-hmm. you've achieved so much in such a young part of your life how did you do all that and what happened for you yes um you know Many times I tell to people that it's not the age that makes you old, it's the experience that makes you old. Mm. So I feel like, you know, very, maybe my age seems young, but the practice of like in, in, in my villages where, you know, you don't have parents and you don't have the healthy society to look after you. And, uh, you know, there is only two things, either you escape and you fight or you become a victim and you become the part of that society. So for me, it was like when I see that in my village, every single girl, like every single girl, like when I say every single girl, everyone was being forced into marriage and at very early age. And it happened to my own older sister when she was 12, she was being forced into marriage. I see that women are being abused everywhere. There was a lot of atrocities that it was happening against children. And yet those things were so normal to me. It was just, you know, it is because I don't know any other better thing than that, you know? But somehow my feelings being in that condition just didn't felt right, you know? And that is something that I feel like we all have, the imagination, the curiosities, the feeling of like, this does not feel okay when when somebody cries and you see the tears and you when you see people suffering it just doesn't feel good so for me the best escape for not seeing those tears and stuff is was nature so in my village we had a lot of fields and people were growing food and forest so I used to just started to spend a lot of my time in in the forest and collecting firewood for my mother so she can cook food we didn't have any cooking gas and stuff like that so I would spend most of my time in the forest collect firewood and that's when I started to connect with the nature I would see the sun and I would see the you know all these trees and suddenly I felt like I was part of them it's like you know these all things were kind of like intuitively talking to me and I felt more and more of myself in the nature and I would just leave my you know my home and just be in the nature as much I could and that's when slowly I started to get um, an idea to just either leave my village and with the help of my cousin who was living in the city um, he was also working for the sweatshop um, I was able to connect with him and I told him like, I wanna, I wanna leave that village and can I come to the city? And it's just a step, you know, you take one wow. step and then two steps and then three steps and fourth steps, you don't like every next step, you are completely unaware. You don't know what's going to look like, but that's where I feel like the change is to not able to see it, but trust it, you know, that there is a different experience than this. 
And many of us, like all of my village, were not wanting to take that step, you know? And for me, I did take that step. And when I did take the steps, for people like us is always something set up, like if we escape the village, most likely we will end up in somewhere into even human trafficking or sex trafficking or, you know, forced labor. And for me it was in the sweatshop. Um, like I was trying to run from the forced marriage, but I was, you know, getting into a forced labor, like escaping one oppression to find just another freedom. Another. Yeah, just like never stops us. So we, I, I ended up in the, in the sweatshop. I was around nine or 10 years old. I'm working literally 12 to 15 hours a day in 10 by 10 room. We were six people. We we're making thousands of clothes every single week. Um, you know, I'm waking up at like 4 a.m., working at 8, 9, 10, 11 p.m., and still the pile of clothes are not finished in the sweatshop. Like, you know, we didn't have any bed, so those whole clothes will turn into our bed. And, you know, if you will ever know how much chemical we put in our clothing, you will never wear them because I got to see that and feel that and experience that like pure chemicals are being put into those clothes over and over and all those dyes gets discarded through the water drain and then it ends up into the river. And so it's like, it's a vicious cycle of, of, of suffering, not only for the human that makes it, but for the nature. And yeah. what it brings maybe outside the world is a little joy of buying something new. So for me, I am in this condition, horrible, horrible, like really bad conditions. I'm having a really hard time even breathing it. Imagine, like imagine 10 by 10 room, six people eating, working, living, sleeping on the pile of clothes. And that's when I would really like feel like feels so like trapped but again this is what I knew like this was just so yeah. way of life for me and and uh, like I wasn't allowed to talk to the uh, talk to the person who was making things and we were not allowed to talk a lot in the sweatshop so I started to talk to the shirt I was making and I would say that I wonder who will wear these clothes, where it will end up and who will wear them. And I hope they can feel my bloods and my tears. And I hope they could see me. Sometime I also wish, I wish I could be a cloth than human because clothes was moving from one place to another where I was just stuck in that sweatshop forever and every single day waking up and eating like rotten grapes and rice with insect and it would just like only I feel like sometimes it's really hard for me to like tell this experience because I don't know if people will really understand and all of these sweatshops are so hidden like you know these huge brands they go and they connect with bigger factories and the bigger factories have medium factories medium factory have a small factories small factory have like yeah 
small sweatshop, you know? So it's like so disconnected, it's so bottom down. And in this sweatshop, people like us who are undocumented gets to work in that condition. Because in case if I'm working and I lose my hand or even I die or anything happens to me, there will be never ever be a police report because I'm so disempowered. So all of my like, you know, villages people, many of my uncles have, you know, got injured and few of them have died in these conditions. And by the age of their 30s and in their late 20s, and they never got justice. So these millions of people right now, over 40 million, over 40 million people, they're victim of the similar situation that I was able to escape. And that's their life. They, they, they work and they die there in that condition. So it's, it's I, I feel very fortunate to be able to come this far and tell this story. But every time I tell this story, I just like my heart just turns into pieces. And I feel like, how can not, how can the world ignore this? You know, like, how can we not like, like when I see these all fast fashion companies making not million, but billions of dollars of people like us and, and, you know, and we just have to risk every single moment of our life to just survive. So Natalie, you mentioned there, you wonder how if anyone can actually see or feel. I, I can't imagine what it's like because I've never been in that situation. It'd be interesting to understand from um, listeners and I'll, I'll invite everyone to you know to comment and, and send us messages when, when you hear this show. But I felt it in my heart. It was like a, a real pain when you were talking through that and I could see it in your face. I felt it deeply. And to touch on something else you mentioned earlier in terms of age, I can see the maturity in you. Age really is irrelevant in this. Your life experiences far exceed anything that I have experienced. And that's what makes you quite remarkable and quite unique and quite special in that sense, a true visionary. I mean, some of the, the quotes that I've written down um, I've either heard you um, speak because I, I had the privilege to listen to you back last year at um, the Aspire Invent conference and I was absolutely blown away which is why I wanted to to speak with you to share your story more and to talk more about this particularly where you're going at with this and we shall talk about it the consumerism the buy now get rid of buy again uh, and that journey that whole story from where it starts to the end and a beautiful quote that you you um, you said once we live in a globally connected world where every action affects others I think that's entirely beautiful and I I would like for everyone to hear some other beautiful things you've said you help people in a healing way there's fire in your blood you identify with communities because of your life experiences I would assume but I don't wish to I would like to ask you on on those points in a minute it's possible to change good vibration being service to others we are the universe the light exists in us always light in every darkness and the power of this moment. I mean, th- those, qu- they're, they're all from you. This is all stuff that you've said. They're incredibly inspiring, Nazreen, and your story. So you've gone from this very humble, wonderful young person. You've moved out of that. You've seen all of this 
these atrocities you've experienced at such a young age, which is incomprehensible for me, but you've gone on to empower and enable women. Can you talk folk a bit through that? And then let's come on to what you're doing now and, and how we really as a society need to consider consumerism with what it's actually impacting and who it's impacting. Thank you. Oh my God, those were really beautiful words. Um, They're yours. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I I just, you know, um, so when I'm in the sweatshop, things are normal for me. And then most of the time, like, you know, the fashion industry, they, their fashion um, season comes and it goes. And like that, my sweatshop was operated for two years. After that, it gets shut down. I became a street kid and that's when like I'm in the street and I'm like really seeing for the first time all those students going to the schools and colleges and like I'm looking back at my life and I'm like I'm in the street I have no mother and I have no father but I don't have anyone who could you know who could who could support me and so I started to just again like use my imagination which I feel like every single being on this planet have that nobody will ever take away from them that imagination that curiosities and the prayers and for me like I started to look at these students and I prayed to myself why I don't have the books why I don't have the suits why I don't have the uniform I wish I could do that while I was doing that every single day around like morning time I would wake up and be in that street that's when I feel one morning it was around 6 a.m a dog coming next to me and started to sniff on me and behind this dog is kind gentleman and I got so scared by that dog and he tells me come here don't be scared by him he's he's my you know like he's he's like my son come and fed him so when he told me come here and I felt the sense of connection and love I literally like immediately grabbed his wrist completely unknown person and I asked him uncle can you please teach me like I didn't ask him to give me money or get me a food or like you know something I asked him uncle please can you teach me and this really moved him and this amazing kind person his name was Leslie Zon, became my teacher for almost 10 years. And wow. he started to give me education that I supposed to know as a human being, as my every human being should know about their human rights. And through that education, I was able to understand that whatever was happening to me was against human rights. Whatever was happening to my villagers was against human rights. Whatever happened to my aunt and my sister was against human rights. So I needed to do something. And in that time, I have nothing. Like, I have no money. I don't know what to do. So with the help of education, I take a loan and I started a social business called Local Women's Handicrafts just in the hope of not wanting to see any more girls being forced into marriage, wanting to like not seeing any of the children being victim of the sweatshop. So like that, I started to work with one woman, 
one woman turn into two women, two women turn into six women, six to 10, 10 to 20. And like this, so far until 2020, we have helped thousands of women and hundreds of children. And just a step, you know, because once it, when I reflect back in my timeline, it feels very overwhelming to me you know, that how did I come this far? And it's not that I only came, there's a lot of beautiful people who joined me in this process, but I had to take a step. What was right for the experience that I felt is right. And when you do things from the heart and from that space of loving and kindness and to be in service to people, there are very powerful force of energy and people do connect with you and help you, help you like help those people, you know? So um, yeah, that's, that's the story of uh, my um, local women's handicrafts. And we create, we built uh, our empowerment center in 2013. And since then we have, I made, I, I did in the center, everything opposite what I saw in the sweatshop. So in the sweatshop, I didn't even had the window. So in our center, we have the big windows. Oh. In, in the sweatshop, I had bad water. So in our center, we have safe cleaning water. In the center, um, I mean, in the sweatshop, I was eating a rice with insects and rotten grapefruit. So in the center, we created organic garden. So I just wanted to flip that experience into abundance and be the role model for other businesses that you can create and you can expand your awareness that there is more beauty, beauty have the more power and service to others have more power than greed and control and negative energy, you know? So that's, that's, that's what we are doing and creating like anybody can go to localwomenshandicrafts.com and they can read all of these women that, you know, their stories are there, their products are there and what we have been doing and what do we represent, it's all we have built in online. And so for the first time, for the first time, almost in their history of, for these women, their faces is being out, their stories is being out into the world. So world can really see what are the experiences that we are going through in, in very, very poor countries, you know, yeah. Nepal is one of the poorest country in the planet and almost 51% of children are suffering from acute malnutrition. And, you know, women, I was in the village uh, this, just this in 2020 for eight months. And I interviewed about 400 women and out of the 400 women, almost 98% of the women did not even know how to sign their name. Mm. So if they, and they used all thumbprint, you know? So if they don't know how to sign even their name, how can they even ask for their basic human rights? So it's it just, 
it's just very, very important for world to see that, you know, our millions and millions of people, and especially women and children, are very vulnerable. And, and COVID and pandemic have definitely pushed us back in 30 years. Yeah. But I hope that this will wake people up. And when people go and buy fast fashion, and if people go and just buy more and more, I want them to buy less and I want them to think more about the people who makes them, you know? And I want them to use their money as an energy that has an effect because whatever you might be buying in the downtown of London has an effect in the small villages, in the rural villages like mine, where like I'm being forced into labor if if you, how can you find a shirt in $10 or 10 euros, you know, yeah. it's just impossible. So it's people like us, our bloods and tears are being sucked into and people can energetically feel the energy of world losing and everything feels so overwhelming. But I feel like everything can be healed only if we can want, take one step at a time towards change, you know. And that will start from the phone that you use and the clothes that you wear and the coffee that you drink and the chocolate that you eat, finding out where they come from, who made it and what conditions. So as soon people support small businesses and local businesses, but also businesses like local women's handicrafts that can really tell the stories of these people and gives the transparency around supply chain would be the healing way of ending modern day slaveries. I was just reading that in even in UK, there is 131,000, I don't know exact number of people are victim of modern day slaves. So like, you know, modern day slavery is all around us and it's coming more closer and closer to us and it's feeling very overwhelming. So I feel like this is the time to really become aware of our accent. I mean, I literally could listen to you all day long. You are, I mean, you're so articulate. I mentioned this before we came on the call. It's beautiful how you convey your message. Not only is your message strong, is it morally correct and ethically right? You've experienced it firsthand. So it has that much extra added weight. And, you know, kind of surface touching on what you've said, it's about perspective, isn't it? Because when I listen to you, it puts my previous week into perspective now that's not to diminish any kind of things that are going on with me and it's not for anyone to feel guilty about their lives but it is about perspective and it is also about just identifying what changes we can make and certainly within my household and we've been thinking about this for years but the pandemic has really brought it to the front of our minds where are we getting our products from to your point Nazreen who is manufacturing it it's easy to switch off isn't it I'm going to go and buy this but actually we should all be doing the the work to find out and in fact producers need to also be demanded by governments and whatnot to actually state very clearly how things are manufactured if something is cheap there's a reason it's cheap 
And we need to look at that to understand what the sustainability is of a product, you know, if it's affecting the environment, if it's affecting human life as well, and what, what goes into that. And that's kind of what you're touching on and what you're doing, if I'm right, in how you're empowering folk as well. Yeah, I absolutely right. Like, I feel like it's just, um, you know, there's many times people think that, oh, we are buying the fast fashion. So that's how the people in Bangladesh or people in Nepal or people in India can even sustain and live. But I just want to like, you know, give them an idea and understanding about my own perspective. I feel like, you know, there is a huge perpetuation of motion that went into a negative direction where like, you know, we used to have a big a village which was filled with tradition and culture and, and festivals and, you know, so much good thing. And then something happened that all these women are started to be like being forced into marriage and having like, you know, not only one to five children, but almost 10 children. And wow. they have, you know, like no, um, no educations and don't have any understanding about how to raise that children you know and then these children are being sent to these factories and it feels to me like human factory you know it doesn't feel like uh, people are aware of their power so I feel like um, that is connected to the big part of consumerism. If consumer becomes aware of what they consume, are they consuming someone's suffering or are they consuming and supporting a businesses that values moral and nature and humanity, you know? If we can figure that out, I feel like we will be able to solve a big problem. And uh, we will be not having these almost over 40 million people in the modern day slavery. And guess what? There's 71% of them are women and girls. So yeah. like mostly, the end of the day, the women and, uh, and girls becomes the extreme victim of everything. And I feel like, you know, um, uh, I feel like in UK or in US, in all the Western countries, you know, um, there is a lot of uh, resources are available. And I want to tell people that if you have electricity and if you have uh, access to mobile phone and internet, please use these resources because millions of people don't have that, you know, and they are looking up to you, you know, if you have a safe home and safe electricity and internet and food to eat and survive, you are like one of the luckiest person in this planet that could be serving and being in service to the people who don't have a safe space, who don't have electricity, who don't even know how to sign their name. They are looking up to us, I feel. So how can, um, how can, you know, we we help them out, you know, and it will happen all through like, you know, Natalie, um, raising awareness, you know, talking about it, talking until people don't get it because <laughs> the more we do a blue in the face, come yeah. on, yeah, <laughs> definitely. It is, it's about bringing it to people's, the forefront of someone's mind, isn't it? And it's talking about it, bringing out in, in the open more and talking more realistically. And I think I heard you say one time, it might've been on the MTV um, video, actually, yeah. you talked about folk can help, folk can get involved, 
And it's not about overwhelming ourselves in that sense. It's about thinking about just one product that you're buying. Look at how sustainable that is and what that looks like. And just try and invest in small business, local business and helping, you know, encouraged or um, businesses that are empowering folk who are otherwise, you know, treated in a particularly bad way. And that's a really great way to start. Um, for example, you've got an uh, initiative going on at the moment, haven't you? The, the Million Masks, is that right? Yes, yes. Um, we started One Million Mask Initiative in early April and it is all, I was in this village, in a small undocumented village, and that's when I was interviewing all these 400 women and we distributed 410,000 meals and through our nonprofit empowerment collective. And that's when, you know, we were thinking like, okay, pandemic will get over by May. Oh, or like, <laughs> oh my God, it was like continuing. And we were like, okay, like how can we feed hundreds and thousands of people for a year? Like it just felt very, very overwhelming for us, but also not sustainable. So we needed to find a sustainable model to, to make sure that we feed the hungry people. And at the same time, we are not so much dependent just on the donation. So um, our women collective from local women's handicrafts, they all came together and they started to give a training to the villagers how to make a reusable eco-friendly two-ply mask. And you know we used all these local woven fabric, which is called Dhaka. It's like woven in a hundred year old loom, which does not need any electricity. So the fabric is very, very sustainable. Wow. And then these women, they came, they learned how to sew and cut and we turned that into a mask because we were able to do two things with that mask feed the village and then at the same time stopping the covid pandemic that was happening all over the world and people are being shortage of the mask so uh when we calculated the idea of like if we sell one mask for ten dollar we can feed 10 meals for an entire day like for one people you know so wow. like one mask 10 meals and that was very very sustainable models and we are still continuing with this campaign one million mask initiative um you know aspire conference was a really good one brought a lot of um uh, people together to help and support with this campaign we have sold over 5000 masks and as i said like we have served 410000 meals and you know anybody who is listening you know if you do need a mask and you know please don't wear the synthetic mask because it will end up in the ocean and landfill and um it's it's uh, it's going to stay for 800 years whereas this eco-friendly mask like you can rewash it and rewash it and wear of like you know two years three years it's really like the elastics are adjustable it's really beautiful uh, anybody can visit empowermentcollective.org and look at all of we made all these videos you will see all these brilliant brilliant yeah, and <laughs> I feel like um, it. we worked so hard on this uh, campaign, like so, so hard. So absolutely fantastic. And you have got, I mean, no one will be seeing this, unfortunately, because it's all audio, but you have got the most amazing smile when you are engaged and talking. It's really, honestly, just wonderful. 
the work you're doing is incredible and the message you're giving out and your story is absolutely remarkable. How can anybody, um, I mean, obviously they can get in contact with you via the website and I'll put all of these details in the show notes. How can anybody or corporations and organizations start considering helping or get involved and help you? What's the best way that they can help out? If they're truly inspired, which I suspect everybody will be listening, how can they help you? What's the best kind of next steps for them to do to get involved? Yeah, the best next step is um, really, I'm trying to bring all these good businesses, like good businesses, good governments, good um, employers and good stakeholders who believes in ending modern day slaveries, you know, please join us uh, through empowermentcollective.org, our nonprofit. And we are bringing all these businesses together to end modern day slavery. Um, so how can we help those 40 million people? So if your businesses are good and they have, uh, um, they care about humanity and they care about the environment, please join us and be a part of to end modern day slavery because I just feel like I want to do that and end that as soon I can because like you know imagine like somebody like I mean like being nine ten year old and being put their life in the sweatshop like we don't want to see that like it needs to end very fast and I feel like all these governments and all these officials and all these great businesses should come together to end this and uh, for the first time after lots and lots of years like in this last 27 28 years that took me to come here finally I can speak you know when I came to America for the first time like I was so overwhelmed and you know I had lots of memory coming back when I walked to this major department store and I see the, you know, the background. I don't see the product, I see the suffering and stuff. So now finally I can articulate and I can tell that story. And my mission is to really end modern day slavery or eradicate modern day slaveries. So anybody please visit empowermentcollective.org you can contact us through that. You can, if you need to buy recycled products and natural products, please go to local women's handicrafts and make a purchase there. But also please don't forget to read women's story if you have time. And then we are all over the social media. So you can follow us there. And I'm just getting ready to, you know, to go out there and engage all these powerful people to let, let's get rid of slavery from the root, you know. I'm right behind you. I'm there. I'm with you. I, I'm right. This is just, oh, let's do it. Let's end it. We can all do it. Power of collective thought, the power of collective motion, the power of collective action in a positive and sustainable way will make things change will change the world for sure yeah. yes we, can do we are the one. Yeah. Look, thank you so much what an utterly inspiring and beautiful conversation and you are just truly truly wonderful and it's my absolute pleasure to have had you on I'm so grateful that you came on oh Natalie I just like I just feel like you you are my soul family you know like the people who helped me get this message out I feel like we all need to just connect more and more yeah. 
to, to come together to solve this problem because I can't solve alone, you know? And when we join together, even the hard things feels easy. So you just making my, my experiences much more values. It's healing for me, you know? Like the more I talk and the more I share and the more I help in the ground, that's the best way I can heal myself and my trauma because I, I still live with my life with trauma. And uh, the best way to heal is to, to and you are medicine for me. For that, oh, wow, that makes me feel fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, Nesween. You've, you've made my day. And in fact, my week, like I say, it's, it's really lifted me up. So it's great to speak with you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. Have a good day. And thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any comments for either Nazreen or myself, I'll put all of the um, links for Nazreen in the show notes. But also, please tweet us using the hashtag Life Stories. Or in fact, do you use any hashtags as well, Nazreen? Yeah, um, we do. Uh, We use the um, Eradicate Modern Day Slavery and Advocate for Global Human Rights. Excellent. Get them in the text message over to us. And please join me next week when I have another incredible, inspiring woman on. Take care, look after yourself, keep well. You have been listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. For all information related to my guests, please check the show notes. And if you wish to continue the conversation with us, please hashtag Life Stories on all social channels. If you enjoyed this show, please pop over to seizetheday.simplecast.com where you'll find my other shows. If you're interested to know any more about coaching, please visit me at nmscoaching.co.uk, where you'll also find details of the latest workshops I am running. Thank you so much for listening. 